I don't have a stinking prayer. I, I was sitting in my chair crying this morning. My kids give me a card. My wife gives me a card. And I'm, I'll be 49 this year. My dad's 91, and dad cries a drop of hat. I'm like, dude, I'm going to be a mess by the time I'm dad's age. Uh, I can't stand it. Because um, it's true. Being a dad, um, there's nothing like it in the world. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. The feeling you get when, when they say, I love you, and, and the feeling you get when, when you're in conflict, um, it's all right, I'll take it all, because it's worth it. And I think all dads feel like that. And uh, I saw one, I almost used this one, because it said, uh, dad's exterior is this gruff exterior, and underneath that gruff exterior is another gruffier exterior, but under that is a soft, mushy spot. And I thought, yeah, that's about right. Um, Today, we're continuing our series on authority, and you're going to face some temptations today. First of all, if you're not married, you're going to be tempted to check out and say, that doesn't apply to me, but let me give you a caution. Anytime the God of the universe speaks, it's beneficial to listen, because I'm going to, I'm going to make a prediction. Either you or a family member or a close friend is going to need this information in the near future, guaranteed. Now, if you're a wife you're going to be tempted to think, I'm so glad he's talking about that. And, and you're going to be tempted to think, nail him, Doug, nail him to the wall. Because I'm talking about husbands and dads today. So I'm, I'm going to ask you not to do that. Guys, you're going to be tempted to sit there like we do when, when we know we're right and smirk and go, I'm so glad she's here. And she heard that one, you know. And I'm glad he said it, not me. You know, that type of deal. Well, today I'm going to ask you not to do that. Everyone has an opinion on authority in marriage, but what I'm going to ask you to do is not make a rush judgment to what your opinion is. Instead, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you just a second, and, and I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. God, show me your truth, because in reality, my opinion does not matter. Your opinion really doesn't matter. God's opinion is the one that matters today. And so I just want you to take a second and say, God, show me your truth. Would you do that? Just right where you are silent. You don't even have to close your eyes. I pray with my eyes open all the time. Kind of freaks some people out. But you just say right where you are, God, show me your truth. Would you do that? Because we want to understand what the God of the universe says. Now, I want to show you a, a picture here. This is a picture of Janie and me when we were engaged. 1990. Right? I know, man. I look like a different person, don't I? Somebody said Caleb. And what's funny is you, you see pictures of my dad at that age. That's me. So we're just passing on this genetic thing. Caleb, buddy, guess what? <laughs> Janie is 5'3", and, and I'm 5'9", on a good day with fat Crocs on and my hair spiked up. I said hair, singular, because I have one, this rogue hair thing, that if I let it grow, I could be six foot tall. I may do it just because I think that'd be kind of cool. It'd be the only time I ever get to six feet. Uh, I was thinking back through this, and, and several years ago, when Hannah was four or five years old, I would always go in and play with each of the kids before bedtime. And so Hannah had this cool magnadoodle thing. You remember the magnadoodle? Oh, this was awesome, because it, it was like an Etch-a-Sketch, only it was with magnets, and so you could draw stuff, and so I draw this dude standing there, and he's got this long, flowing hair, and I said to Hannah, I said, you know who that is? She goes, nope. I said, that's me, and she goes, that's not what you look like, <laughs> and so she goes, here, Daddy, and she draws this thing, this head that goes like this, it looks like a peanut, 
And then she sticks like three dots on the top. She goes, that's what you look like, Daddy. I'm like, oh, wow. That was several years ago, so there's no hope uh, for anything better. Anyway, I'm a half a foot taller than my wife. Now, have you ever tried to get under an umbrella held by someone shorter than you? Right, so, so Janie's here, and I'm doing this trash, you know, trying to get under that thing. Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Makes so much more sense for the taller person to hold the umbrella and the shorter person to snuggle up next to the umbrella holder so they can be protected from the storm. It's exactly the picture that the Bible paints of marriage. God has called us to this authority structure. In your opinion, my opinion, doesn't matter. God has an opinion on it. And unfortunately, that's not what we see in a lot of marriages, is it? There's this great deal of confusion about roles and responsibilities between men and women. So what I want to do today is I want to clear up some of that confusion. Let's go to the creator of the universe and see what he has to say about roles and responsibilities. Now, God, show us your truth. We've prayed that. So here's the deal. God gives men a job description in the Bible that can be summed up in one word. All right? We have students here, we have singles, we have married men. And guys, if you don't learn this job description and you don't start practicing it now, you're not going to be magically transformed when you walk down the aisle and say, I do. I want you to understand it. I want you to start practicing this regardless of your marital status. You ready, guys? Here it is, sacrifice. One word, sacrifice. Guys, say that with me, sacrifice. Say it again, sacrifice. A little bit louder. That's your job description. Now, ladies, the Bible also says you have a job description that can be summed up in one word. Are you ready? Here it is. Submission. I know. Somebody's somebody's going, submission. Like it's a four-letter word, submission. All right, ladies, we need you to practice saying this word. Ready? Here we go, ladies. Say it with me. Submission. Now, I know it kind of hurts. I always think of the the, the hyenas in Lion King when they say Mufasa. (laughs) You know, they shudder. Some of you ladies did that. You said, submission. All right, so I want you to smile when you say it. Ready, ladies? One more time, smile. All right, all right. Now, I know, I, I know that, that some of you have come in here with a warped idea of this word, and I want to I ask you not to jump to conclusions yet. Hear me out on, on this idea for men and women, and I think by the end you're going to see the genius of God. All right? All right, so let's get this party started. A man is superior to a woman in being a man. Ah. Y'all were ready for a fight. I saw women bow up to me right then. A woman is superior to a man in being a woman. Aren't you glad? God made us different for a reason. He doesn't want she men or he women. He created us as two opposites so that when we come together, we can become one, not two. The problem is when we do things on our own, we step outside of God's authority. And we get hammered by the forces of hell. And see, when you're, when you're out here, God is not on the throne of your life. In fact, when you're out here, under, out from under the authority of God, God is not the defender of your life. Or y'all, many of y'all know that song, and you sing the song, the God of angel armies is always on my side. Not if you're out here. God only promises to defend and lead those who are under here. And all the time we talk about this, out here, Satan promises you freedom. 
And in fact, if you're out here, you're not even on the throne of your life. Satan is. That's the only option. you got two options, God or Satan on the throne of your life. And so Satan says, come out here and I'll give you freedom. But this leads to bondage. The only place you experience maximum freedom is under the authority of God's word. And we've said all, uh, all this series that the umbrella represents the word of God. The word of God equals the authority of God. So let's look at what God wants to say to us. Specifically from the Bible in 1 Corinthians 11.3. <clears throat> Excuse me. But there's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ... The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Okay, I want, you to, I want you to carry something from here today. I didn't even put this on your listening guide. I should have. You may want to jot this down. Anything with no head is dead. Anything with two heads is a freak. All right, let, let, me, let me tell you that. Let me, t- let me explain this. Last week, I was sitting in my chair because I have my recliner, and it's my chair. It's the only place I want to sit. I don't want to sit anywhere else because I want to sit in my recliner. I've had a recliner as long as I've been out on my own, and I'll have a recliner. Janie says she's probably going to bronze it and bury me in it because that's where I always like to sit. So I get up, and I read my Bible, and I pray sitting in my recliner. Well, Janie loves to be outdoors when it's cool. And so the last week or so, it's been fairly cool in the morning, hadn't been real bad you know, humidity. So she goes out to our arbor. She likes to sit out there, read her Bible, and, uh, and pray out there because it's been so nice. Well, this one particular morning... I'm reading. I get up first, and so I'm reading, and she says, I'm going to the arbor. She gets her coffee. She takes her little dog out there, and about 45 seconds later, she comes back, and she goes, there's a snake. That seems like such a simple statement, but, but it's really not. When, when, Janie, when Janie says there's a snake or a bug or a mouse or anything, if Janie says there's a whatever, what it means is we have a problem that you need to fix, all right? Now, I've learned that over 22 years. That's the, that's the translation of there's a snake or there's a whatever. It doesn't matter what there is. I need to fix it. And then if I sit there long enough, you know, like if I want to finish my sentence or if I'm like, baby, I can't interrupt my time with God. She's like, Doug? You know, and all, that's all she says. And that means you better get off your rear and fix our problem. Okay. Because she may look little, but she's pretty tough. So she and Corn Dog, that's our dog's name. She and Corn Dog are going out there. And this dog, I mean, he's a little mutt dog, and, and he hops around all over the place. He thinks Janie's the greatest thing in the world, and he's just hopping around, hopping around. He jumps right over the top of a, of a uh, copperhead snake, and uh, he never saw it. Now, he got bit several weeks ago and almost died. Dude, I got to tell you that. It's not even here. Several weeks ago, he got bit by a snake. You'd think he'd learn. He didn't. So his, his arm and his leg and all, just huge, little bitty midget dog, and he's got this big Arnold Schwarzenegger one leg, you know, and he can't move it around. And uh, so Janie said, what should I do? And she said, should I give him a Benadryl? And I said, I guess. And she goes, how much should I give him? I'm like, he's this big. And so she dissolves it and she puts, she puts it in his water. She dissolves half a tablet. The dog probably weighs eight or nine pounds. So I look out there later and Corndog is standing up and he's leaning like this. And you go, Corndog, he can't move. He's just laying there. It's the coolest thing ever. But anyway, but he hadn't learned. So he's just hopping around. He just, you know, didn't see the snake. And so I go out there, and I, I find the snake, and I'm looking at it, and Janie says, you want me to get your machete? Again, that seems like a simple question. What it really means is, translation, when you're going to chop off its head? Why are you looking at it? And I'm like, yes, baby, go get it. So, so she brings me the machete. You know what I did? I removed his head. Why? Janie knows that anything with no head is dead, right? Everybody knows Something with no head is dead. Well, here's the problem. Satan knows it too. 
And there's really only two reasons that marriages end. One is marriages end when there's no head. No head equals dead. Or marriages end when there's two heads. Because it just doesn't work when there's two heads. Got a picture here. I, I saw this. Uh, two-headed snakes. That's kind of double the trouble, right? How do they figure out which way they're going? Who's in charge there? Right? You, you can see these at the East Texas State Fair or, you know, whatever. You can see it. It, it makes the news when there's a two-headed snake because it's not normal. Neither is it normal in a marriage to have two heads. Now, when the Bible says this, God is not talking about rights. And I'm going to read you a verse in a minute about rights. God's talking about responsibilities. He's talking about roles. And we have different roles. Men are given the umbrella by God. They're supposed to hold the umbrella. And wives are supposed to come underneath the umbrella of God's word and underneath the umbrella of her husband's authority. And that's the picture of marriage that God wants us to have. We're the ones that are responsible for it. The, the Bible could not be clear on this. Guys, we are responsible for the leadership of our homes. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, all of those things. We're the ones that hold the umbrella. And the Bible says the head of a woman is man. The responsibility for the relationship is the man. You remember in the, in, in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, they ate the forbidden fruit. They realized what they'd done. You know, I think they looked around and went, oh, we've messed up. You ever done that? I, I never did, but I, I heard about it. I saw my friends. That, no, I did it all the time. I would get caught and I'd go, that's what I think they did. And so they played hide and go seek with God. And when God shows up in the garden, you remember what he did? Bible, I, I looked in every translation I could find. God walks in the garden and he says to the man, where are you? He didn't ask the woman. Because she's not the one given the umbrella of responsibility, of authority in the marriage. Adam, where are you? Not Eve, where are you? Adam, where are you? So that's a message, that's a question I want to ask the guys today. Guys, where are you? Did you know that I can predict the satisfaction quotient of your life, single or married, by where you are in relation to the umbrella of the authority of God's Word? If you're out here, you will never experience what God wants you to experience. Because God works through authority, and so God says, I will not place you over the things that I want you to be over until you're under the things I want you to be under. So you achieve your maximum position, your ultimate position, you'll never achieve it until you live a life of submission. So if God can't trust you with small amounts of authority, God's not going to trust you with large amounts of authority. God looks for the people whom he can trust and he gives them more and more and more authority because they've proven themselves over and over again. So you'll never achieve your ultimate position until you live a life of submission. So let me read you a verse about rights because some of you are getting kind of upset with me. I can see it on your face. Galatians 3.28 says this, There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. What this means is, the playing field is level at the foot of the cross. We're all sinners. That's not the issue here. We're talking about roles. In God's eyes, we have different functions. So let's look specifically at the man's function, at the man's job description in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. For husbands, all right, guys, if you're a husband or if you intend to get married someday, you put your name right there. For husbands, for Doug, for Jeff, for Jesse, you put your name there. This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. 
So how am I supposed to love Janie? I'm supposed to love Janie like Christ loved the church. Well, how do you do that? There's three specific ways I want to tell you about. Number one is sacrificially. This, you know, this is the second blank that we've put sacrifice in. Oop, got caught. It's so important that we're going to fill in two blanks today with the word sacrifice. So here's the deal. I got I to gotta diagram this for you. I'm going to try to get it where everybody can see. I'll show it in a minute. The Bible tells us that God made us, and he wants to have a relationship with us. Need Vanna White. But there's a problem. We committed sin, and it cut off our relationship with God. All right, you got that? Bible says that God is a perfect being. In him there is no sin, and no one who sins can come into the presence of God. No one who sins can live in God's perfect place in eternity. So Jesus took the initiative, and he came to die on the cross to bridge the great divide. There's a song that was sung years ago, and it says, there's a bridge to cross the great divide, and then they actually messed up when they were recording. The second time they said, there's a cross to bridge the great divide, and they went, oh, that works. There's a bridge to cross the great divide. There's a cross to bridge the great divide. And so what you have to do is determine where you are on this scale. You see, because we try going to church, we try being nice to people, we may even try giving to disaster relief in other places. Those are great things. But the Bible says they all fall short and they all deserve hell. That's not good news. But the good news is Jesus came to bridge that divide. And the only way you get back into heaven is through, or get back to God, is through Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the only way. And so Jesus gave his life sacrificially. He initiated the process to make us right with God again. That means as a man, I have to be the initiator. Janie is superior to me in some areas, and and I submit to her in those areas. Sewing? I don't know anything about sewing. I don't have time for that. Cooking? Emotionally with our kids? If my wife says, Hey, you need to go talk to him. I don't keep watching TV. I say, yes, ma'am. Because she notices something that I don't know. But she submits to me in other areas. And we have this beautiful mutual submission going on. But even though there's this mutual submission thing going on, the buck has to stop somewhere. And according to the Bible, the buck stops with me. Or if you're a man, the buck stops with you. It's just the way God created it. And if you have a problem with that, you really don't have a problem with me. You've got a problem with God. Anybody you know has authority issues, it's really not the authority with you. It's really a higher authority. They have a problem with God, and we need to talk about that. Too many men, though, have looked down, and they've seen this, and they go, Nope, I'm not going to do it. And they hand it to a woman. They say, You take it. I'm going to use y'all. Y'all are here. I would have used Chad and Cindy, but they're sick. Come stand up real quick. It's Brian and Christina. All right. So Brian's going to hand that to Christina. Christina, you step off over there. He's going, I don't want the job. Now, see, here's what happens. A lot of women, because they don't have a choice, they'll take the umbrella, they'll take the authority, and they'll say, I'm going to do the best I can. But here's the crazy thing. This is where I deal with a lot of people. Sometimes the dude, come over here, Brian. Sometimes the guy doesn't want authority in certain areas, but in other areas he wants authority. So grab that umbrella. Y'all do a little bit of tug of war there. That was, you didn't, I know you can, yeah, okay. So then you got this tug of war going on. Well, I want this, I want this. And here's the problem. Whenever you start tugging, you're both out from underneath underneath God's authority and you're opening up your family 
to a life of attack from Satan that, that God never intended for them to, to face. Or, or, check this out. I'll give you the pretty one. I'll give you the big one. She has her umbrella. He has his umbrella. They've got these umbrella wars going on. You can, yeah, you like that, don't you? That's pretty good. When you're fighting tug of war over the, the authority issues in your family or fighting with my umbrella and your umbrella, neither one of those please God. Okay, thanks, y'all. Sit down. Give him a hand. That was awesome, huh? You're fighting battles God never intended for you to fight. But there's another situation I run into. Come here, Annie. Some parents hand the umbrella to their children. You be in charge. You make all the decisions. I'm not your parent. I'm your buddy. Where do you want to go eat? Where do you want to go to school? Where do you want to go to church? It's you, you, you. We will orbit our lives around you. Because we're a progressive family. Right? And these kids are punks. And they grow up not understanding authority because their parents didn't love them enough to teach them. That when you mess up, discipline is the most loving thing you can do to your kid. Discipline, not punishment. I'm not talking about punishment. Discipline has future behavior in mind. I'm going to light your little butt up because I don't want you to ever do this again. And, and I'm not talking about beating a kid. But I'm talking about when, when daddy, one time when, when Caleb was little, Janie swatted him, and this, he was real little. Janie swatted him, he goes, that didn't hurt. Yeah. Phone rang at my office. You will come home and swat your son three times. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I went up the front and I said, I'll be back in a minute. Went home and Caleb's cowering, you know. I, the only time in my life I've given him three swats because two from daddy's enough. I lit his butt up. I said, that hurt? <laughs> I said, you ever going to tell daddy it doesn't hurt? <laughs> I said, you ever going to tell mommy it doesn't hurt? <laughs> Learned his lesson. Thank you, baby. We've got to be smarter about how we do this authority thing, men, if we're going to be the men and we're going to raise the families that God intends for us to raise. It's okay. Spoil the rod. Uh, sp spare the rod. Spoil the child. I'm not talking about beating. Get you a ping pong paddle. I'm serious. Those suckers work. <laughs> Bible says that husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church. It's the best thing we can do for our children is have them see us loving their wives, uh, our wives sacrificially, and. Uh, Jesus was this initiator, so what this means is, even if, even if Janie's 99% wrong and I'm 1% wrong, the responsibility to initiate reconciliation rests with me. I don't like that sometimes. She's wrong. She's very rarely wrong. I kind of mark it on the calendar whenever she is. I do a little happy dance. Because it's usually me that's wrong. Now, Guys, I've got to ask you, those of you who are married, would your wives say that you go all out in your love for them and they feel like you would sacrifice even your life for them? 
Or is there something in your life that's more important than they are? Because guys, I'm going to tell you, you find a woman who feels loved like Christ loved the church, she's almost untouchable by the things of the world because she's got a man who loves her like Jesus. And marriage is good. The reason we have so many problems in marriages, very few of us are there. So you're going to love her sacrificially. Second, you're going to love her selflessly. What does that mean? Christ died for the church, so what that means is to love Janie properly, I've got to die to myself. I've got to die to my desires, my wishes, my ego, my sins, my rebellion, my authority issues. I submit to the will of God. That's my job description. So I love her sacrificially, selfishly, uh, selfishly. That's a Freudian slip. Selflessly. Number three, consistently. That means it never stops. When did Jesus drop the umbrella and walk out on the church? Heard of that one? You hadn't heard of it because it didn't happen. And it never will. We've got to treat our marriages like a covenant. Too often we're looking for loopholes, this contract where we're trying to get out of it. Oh, you did this wrong, I'm gone. You know, that type of thing. And, and people say, oh, well, it's better for the kids if we split up. No, it's not. Well, God wants me to be happy. No, He does not. Show me in Scripture where it says God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be a covenant keeper. Well, it's better this way. Look in the mirror and say, I'm a liar. Because you're lying. Now, I understand, and I know we've got lots of people here who've been divorced. I'm not talking about your past. I'm talking about your future. From this moment on, let's have the type of marriages that God designed for us to have. And then watch what happens, because people are saying, you got something different than I do. And you're going to go, yeah, it's Jesus Christ, and he's got this power that will transform your past into this glorious future, and people want that. So we've got to be very, very careful about how we handle our marriages. A covenant is not kept by feelings. You don't feel your way into commitment. You commit your way into feelings. Commitment leads to commitment, which leads to increased feelings towards the other person. Jesus didn't walk out on us, and and we're not supposed to ever walk out on our wives. We have to realize that marriage is a responsibility. Now, uh, is a responsibility. Now, ladies, we'll get to your side of the equation next week, but I got to mention this real quickly. I hear ladies all the time that say, I want my husband to be the spiritual leader. And then you won't let him lead. You try to take the, the umbrella back or you, you criticize him ruthlessly. That's not going to get you where you want to go. So, so we'll talk more about that next week. If you've got authority issues with your husband, ultimately you've got authority issues with God. So let's look real quickly, guys, at, at 1 Peter 3, 7. And I want you to see why it's so important that we treat our wives correctly. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Now, I I hear ladies, they get mad at this weaker. Weaker? What are you talking about? Okay, let me just explain it this way. Because the the key word in this whole thing is honor. And honor is you you put something up on a pedestal and you treat it as so valuable that it feels that it is valuable in your mind. In the Old Testament and New Testament, written in, in Hebrew and Greek, I tell you this all the time, the words were, um, had word pictures. And when you said honor, to a Hebrew at that time, the most, it, it meant something weighty or valuable. The most weighty, valuable thing on the planet at that time was gold. And so if you said, I honor you, that person would say, oh, I'm as valuable as gold is to you. 
I understand that. And so you got to treat them that way. Well, what's weaker, steel or gold? Gold. You're gold, ladies, not steel. Men are steel. We're steel-headed. Men are steel. All that stuff. What's more precious, silk or jeans? Jeans. In, in my opinion, jeans. But, but ladies, you're silk. Guys, we're jeans with holes in them. And that's all right. That's the way God designed us to be. Recognize that your wife is gold. She's silk. Treat her that way. Why? Because here it is. Your prayers depend on how you treat your wife. You want to know why you're, you're stuck in your relationship with God? It's because you've been treating your wife like crap. You can't do that and be close to God. So the picture is this. As, as I get under God's authority, as my wife comes under God's authority and under my authority, we get closer together because, guys, all you got to do is step under God's authority. Your wife gets under God's authority. As you get further and further, you get closer together because it takes three. It takes you, it takes your spouse, And it takes God to have a marriage because all the forces of hell are coming down upon you and they will defeat you without the power of God in your life. So I want you to take out your registration cards. Men, remember your your job description is sacrifice. Ladies, yours is submission. And honestly, if I had to make a choice between sacrifice and submission, I'd choose submission because then you just let somebody else deal with all the consequences. (laughs) But if you want to experience maximum freedom today, you've got to get under God's authority. So on the back of your card, guys, here here it is, whether you're married or not. This is the key to your satisfaction quotient in your life is whether you're under God's authority. So guys, if you're willing to do this, I want you to say, I choose God. So you got to write on the back. God understands you're saying, I'm getting under your authority. I'm going to try to live under your authority. Ladies, if you're married, I want you to write on the back of your card. I'll let him lead. Ladies, if you're single, you're right. God, you're enough. You're saying, God, I don't don't need a physical man. You're enough. And then if God leads you to the right man, we'll jump and do a happy dance with you. Problem is, loneliness makes us do stupid things. Janie and I talk about this all the time. I dated people that I never would have dated when I was in college because I was lonely. She did too. And we're like, man, we were dumb. Thank you, God, for protecting us from our own stupidity. God, you're enough. Let's pray together. Father, we want to give you honor and glory. And we want to try to do life your way because we know that's the only way that we get your blessing and your protection. Raise up some men who'll say, come hell or high water, I will be the man God called me to be. We pray this in your name. Amen.